0: Hello and welcome back. This is episode 53 of the Nonsense Podcast by What Makes Sense. And this week, I hope you guys are ready for some rock and roll. We have Kemble Walters of the neo-rock band Ages, and a very cool band at that. uh, Are, you know, working on releasing some new material over the next few months. Uh, Kemble is an absolute badass, total gritty rock and roll dude. Very excited to have him on. Um, He shared a lot about being in the studio and, you know, sort of self-producing and and working on that and, you know, the inner machinations of a producer's mind or a self-producer's mind, you could say. Um, he's also had, you know, extensive uh, touring experience and band experience, and he has a really cool story about Rick Rubin on here. Uh, if you don't know who Rick Rubin is, uh, Google his name right now. Very, very famous producer, probably one of the most successful ones of um, I, the past century, I would say. So uh, what an what a awesome story, and I'm, I'm glad he was able to share that. But uh, before we get too far with the episode, the song of the week is, of course, I had to pick a rock and roll one. It's Back With The Gang by Sam Coffey and the Iron Lungs. Not necessarily an underground band. I know we tend to gravitate towards that. I just feel like it's going to kick ass and kick us right into the episode exactly how we need to do it. So, with that being said, here's Back with the Gang by Sam Coffey and the Iron Lungs. And then we're going to get to our interview with Kemble Walters of Ages. Enjoy the episode, and we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you so much for joining, and I, I, I want to make sure I, I get the band pronunciation sure. right. So, is it pronounced ages? Am I going? I'm going off my intuition here.
1: Yeah, it's pronounced as if that e wasn't there. It's more of an aesthetic thing, but I think it uh, it's it hasn't hurt us, but you know, people. That's <laughs> like the daily question.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you guys are all about aesthetic, and I think the use of of cool lettering you know yeah, you, yeah. you do have <laughs> it in in the name you also um it was uh, your most recent album in 2021 let me make sure i pronounce this right too is was it droman
1: i think it's pronounced droman droman because it
0: has the o with the dash through yeah it. is there a proper name for that
1: Had oh the uh the,
0: the actual o
1: you know, I don't know. All I know is that you with the dots is the umlaut.
0: Yeah, the umlaut. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so I call them all the umlaut. You know. Yeah, yeah. The a the, umlaut, uh, the o umlaut. It's I don't the know. Uh, linear
0: umlaut. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah, man, I I, I think I, I love everything about your band because I I have not yet I think interviewed a pure rock and roll band on this. Um, oh, a lot cool. of the connections I have are pretty much in either. Uh, punk rock pop punk um you know a little bit of hardcore sure a little bit of metal here and there but nothing like pure rock and roll and uh that's something i've I've kind of missed because that was something that um i'm in two bands and one of my other bands modern fictions is mm-hmm. like that's what we are we're kind of your uh sort of early maybe proto-punk sound with okay. mostly rock and roll influences yeah. so we'd play gigs with people who, you know, played rock and roll. And sure. since gigs aren't happening right now, I haven't met like a true rock and roller in quite some <laughs> time who kind of shares that uh, sort of passion for, you know, distortion pedals and great crashing drums. I
1: got a lot behind me, dude.
0: Yeah. So actually, <laughs> let's talk about that. I wish uh, I wish we had video on this podcast um, to show people, but you have... <laughs> hell of a lot of pedals behind you so yeah
1: it kind of goes before
0: we go into introductions i just want to <laughs> <laughs> just want to you know uh reference the elephant or the elephants in the room right now so sure. yeah let's talk about the pedal collection
1: uh so i think so i've always been a rock and roll guy funny i'm going to rewind a little bit because you were talking about you know punk rock and all that kind of stuff we've collectively, and me as an individual, been in all of those styles of bands. Yeah. Like, I just love all of music. And so if it if it's loud and it's aggressive and it's fun, I'm into it. And so I originally was a purist, like didn't do any pedals, had a tuner pedal, maybe a distortion pedal, which would have been like a Boss OD-1 or some crap like that, yeah. <laughs> which is still a great distortion pedal. Um, but uh, when ages started, maybe a little bit before that, I got into like the weird side of it and like the the craft side of it you know all these boutique pedal companies and so the thing i dove into the most cuz i enjoy it the most is distortion and fuzz and so i have an insane amount of it and so anytime we go to a recording studios or anything like that or i'm demoing or something it's just like it's like hours of me trying to find the right sound because I have so many things that are so similar but so different you know yeah. especially if you put uh like a rat through my vox ac15 oh, they're so good or you do my fuzz rocious which is a rat clone tweaked into the ac15 they're completely different but very similar and so it's I don't know I go down the rabbit hole yeah. pretty hard but I have a I have a bunch of cool stuff I think my favorite thing well, actually, the, the newest stuff I have, it's on my pedal board down here, is this uh, company called Sun Audio. Nothing to do with the band Sun, uh, but they have a very similar lyric, or uh, logo, but uh, they make these two distortion pedals. One's the nucleus, and one's the rabbit head, and they are awesome. I've been playing a lot of bass lately, and they sound really good on bass. That's but, sick. Yeah. And the other thing is the, Car- uh, the Caroline kilobyte delay, because it's got like the Havoc on it, and so it like sends it into crazy oscillation, and I'll use my my boots have like a you know a rubber sole and so i can grab the uh timing uh knob and just move it as i'm oscillating and that's it and freaks out yeah it's pretty fun <laughs> sometimes i end up on the ground cuz i'm not good at standing on one leg but <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey man let's just show business <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh before i get too far ahead of ahead of us and uh mm-hmm. I'll cut right into it so I want to put a name to the voice, so Kimball, introduce yourself, uh, you know, how long has Ages been a project, sure. and um, yeah, what have you been up to recently?
1: Uh, so yeah, my name's Kimball Walters, I am the singer, guitar player, songwriter for Aegis. Uh, we started like at the end of 2011, and it was basically me and my buddy Larry that started it. Larry's no longer in the band, um, the only original member now is this dude, Tony, bass player. Freaking Ripper. Um, but we've basically been trying to figure out what to do with the state of music in this pandemic society, you know what I mean? Uh, how to maneuver through it, because we were just getting a grasp uh, of, of how to use our socials and touring and everything, because we're old school, like the way that we do everything, and we're also a little older than most bands too. You know, uh, work harder. Age older, whatever, <laughs> don't matter. <laughs> um, maybe that's not true. I don't know, but uh, yeah, you know, once once you get a groove going, then you you get you get some crazy wrench thrown in. Some people thrive off that. We didn't. We just kind of hit the brakes and just waited, you know. But uh, um, we fortunately enough, we recorded a record that uh, we were planning on releasing later, which is a song. Our, our latest single, Colors, is from. And so since the pandemic lasted more than the two months they originally said we finally were like all right well we're not going to tour we're not going to do any of this stuff so let's throw this single out there just to remind people that we're we're still active you know because it's like how many times are you going to post like an old photo on instagram you know or like an inspirational quote we're going to get through this it's like yeah i mean everybody's in the same exact thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know like a photo of me by myself in my my house recording that's exciting like five posts and that's it after that people are like we get it dude you're at home recording songs whatever (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. there
0: there are too many instances where we're just like big things coming and then like well we have to delay this now because we can't play a show and we're not really comfortable you know like releasing everything that we have and then not being able to kind of tour on it
1: (laughs) yeah that's always that's the problem is like if you can't tour it that's the way that uh The music industry, as far as the artists are concerned, that's how we would promote and get the word out, you know, Um, and record labels. That's what they would rely on, too, for for their bands to tour and, you know, promote themselves and all that stuff. And they would just kind of ride that and, and support that. And so without touring, it's literally all digital, you know. So, like, you need to figure out how to use the YouTube, like live video stuff, which I love watching. I hate doing. It's just something like. Yeah. I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't give you that, that same excitement, you know, the social interaction that I, we feed yeah. off so much.
0: I, I recently kind of just came to the realization because it has been a year and a half since, yeah. you know, I would play a show. And that was why I got like back into music. And I say like got back into music. I took like a few years off of it just because it was like I don't know. I, I, was, I was just getting out of college and I'm like, sure. you know, I've got to start working and, you know, be a part of the rat race. So, you know, yeah, to focus on like <laughs> I got to make money first to like, yeah. you know, be able to buy some cool music stuff. So
1: smart thinking. Uh, <laughs> I got back into it.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, just uh, I, I wanted to get back just to like play live shows like recording wasn't ever really, you know, in the plan. Like it was it was something that, as as a part of being in a band, but, yeah. um, like live shows, I, uh, that's sort of when I'm in my element and, um, this whole year I kind of forgot about that whole half of music and just like, we got to yeah. get, you know, Spotify numbers up and we got to get followers on this and yeah. that. And then like, I fucking hate that. Like, I'll be honest. <laughs> like, I don't It's pretty
1: brutal that that's like yeah. what it's come to is like, it's all numbers, you know, like, Back in the day before, I mean, before internet, I don't remember this really, but like the bands that made it and stayed around, those were just the, the great bands, the bands that killed, you know what I mean? But now it's not necessarily the bands that kill, it's the bands that have, you know, the most friends that can yeah. boost their numbers and or the best marketing. PR or yeah, all that <laughs> yeah. stuff, you know? It's all about the, everything behind the scenes as opposed to like what, what really matters. But, yeah. you know, hey more power to them. I'm I'm into it. I'm not, I'm not slamming it. It's just, it's just a totally different world. (laughs) I know. Yeah. And that was
0: one of the things too, that I've, I've realized myself becoming a, a a bitter person at age 26, (laughs) like already just being like, well, the only reason they're popular is because they're on a label and they have money and like, (laughs) you know, they have the advertising, but like, that is a reality for some instances.
1: It's part of it. You know, and
0: I feel like a lot of it's lost on a lot of people who aren't musicians, how frustrating it can be at times. But it's something that like we can't like I, I can't control. What am I going to do? Stop somebody from being on a label like oh, dude, that, totally. that doesn't make any sense. So yeah, it was I like, think... yeah, just, uh, sorry. It was just like no, people no, no, yeah. who are like, oh, my God, like this person blew up. It's like, well, yeah, they're signed to Columbia Records. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. I think it's like, it's one of those things where you want to be upset, you know, because it's not you, Mm -hmm, but if it was you, you'd be like, Oh dude, this is the best thing in the world. But you know, you know, I've, I've learned through my many years of being in successful bands, unsuccessful bands and just playing with a million people that you just gotta be stuck with what you have and, and know that, you know, a person like me, you know, I'm I'm older than you and I'm still in this business and people still want to work with me outside of ages and with ages and everything else and there's a reason for it. You know, it's the drive and they see that real musicians there's something with I'm not I'm not saying other people aren't real musicians. I'm just saying with real musicians there's uh there's this drive that you no matter what happens you're never going to stop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and 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 other artists see that, and those are the ones that always stick around forever, forever and ever and ever, regardless how wonderfully bad it can get. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I feel like people also want to see you enjoying music and enjoying playing music. And it, it also just helps with you being, like, an easier person to sort of exist within that, you know, ecosystem of music. Somebody's like, oh, man, like he's always at my shows or he'll, he'll always be down to like jam and play. And yeah. like, that's what being a musician is about. It's not about like marketing yourself on, you know, Instagram and Facebook <laughs> and all that. Like that's part of the industry side of it. That's not the yeah. musician side of it. That's the,
1: that's, that's where you have to sell yourself. Yeah. Like you, you got to play the game. To, yeah. You don't necessarily have to sell yourself to your peer or like other musicians and stuff like that. That just comes with hanging and like getting the vibe right. Cause one, you know, this is, maybe a little off topic, but one of the things with being in bands, people always, you know, say, for example, you're going to auditions and stuff like that, because I'm hired to play with a bunch of people. So I've done auditions and, you know, still do them every now and then. And uh, the one thing is you can you can get in your head in an audition because a lot of times uh, they'll set every artist in a hallway or every instrumentalist in a hallway and say, all right, you know, Kimball, you're next and you walk in. But until then you're sitting with all these people, some of which are like, that dude's on the cover of drum magazine or like (laughs) guitar shredder, one Oh one 3000, you know, like these guys are rippers and I know their names. Why am I here? There's no way I'm going to, I'm going to beat this. But then when you do and you start noticing like, Oh, I'm technically not as good as this person, but then they vibe with me. My personality works. I have, uh, intuition as far as like performance, you know, you can hear and feel the other people in the band and like connect live. And so there's, it, it, that's one thing I guess I'm just trying to say, there's more than th- more than just being a ripper. You have to be great and good, good enough to play the songs that you're being hired for or yeah. that you're writing. But the other thing is that you have to get along because you're only on stage 30 minutes to two hours a night or every other night. The rest of the time, you're sitting next to the people that you're playing with. And if you're an idiot or <laughs> just a total prick, nobody's going to hire you, yeah, no matter how yeah. good you are. You could it's be like- Joe Satriani. If you're a douchebag, you're not going to get the gig. And yeah. that guy, I don't know him, but he seems pretty funny. He seems cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Unlike, uh, what was it? I've been told, uh, and this is not like a, an assault on character, but uh was it like yin- <laughs> Yingui, Yingui Malmsteen oh, Ying, or whatever. Yingui yeah. Malmsteen, yeah. yeah. I guess he's kind of a dick. <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that, sure. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I but don't I guess know, if, you're, if it's, like, your band, if it's under your name, yeah. I guess you could do that. But I mean, yeah, he also, he's the
1: only other guitar player that I've seen wear that Prince ruffle shirt, you know? <laughs> yeah. He might have done it before Prince, and it didn't look good, and Prince was probably, like, maybe as a stab, like, I'm going to make that look good because you're a prick and made That's it his own great. look. Been. I don't we know. Should, we I'm should just, dig that up.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's look into that further. <laughs> yeah, because
1: that would be pretty great. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I'm going to let's just do a, let's do a hard transition for this because I, yep. I want to make sure that we can really get into, you know, ages. That's that's sure. why I have you on. I know you guys just released color. You also released uh, Droman, 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 <laughs> Droman whatever Droman. you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. In, in 2022. So. Yeah. My first question is, what was it like releasing that in the middle of sort of the the pandemic era? Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, I know that Colors has been met with already a very strong reception, um, too. So, you know, I guess (laughs) with all that being said, um, you know, how did you feel about releasing the album during the time that you released it? And then, um, you know, what were your thoughts behind uh, Colors and sort of? next steps with that.
1: Sure. Yeah. So uh Drummond was actually released January 2020, so uh, it wasn't fully pandemic yet. It was like on the radar, but like only people that watch news 24 hours a day or like, you know, conspiracy theorists, all that, you know, anybody with this that was like magnetized to anything newsworthy, knew about it. You know,
0: I remember <laughs> laughing about it. in yeah, like uh, it was the first weekend of March, like two mm-hmm. weeks before everything hit the fan. And I was like, yeah, yeah right. And
1: I know. And happened. yeah, dude, it was, I was on tour when it happened. I was sent home from a show. We we ended in Knoxville, Tennessee, and we pulled up and it was like, you know, the president said, the world is shut down. And so we just drove all the way home back to, at the time I was living in LA, drove all the way back to LA. It was brutal. But so that was the thing. Like when we, when we did Dramen, that was, uh, to give like a quick backstory on, on Dramen. Draman was the first record that we released uh, without a label. It was just fully on our own. And so, you know, it was, a, it was a whole new world. We had obviously done it as kids, done, you know, done that whole thing ourselves. But um, this was the first time we're doing it for real by ourselves. And we went back to the original style that we did on our first records, which was, I produced and engineered everything, um, but this time I hired a, a drum engineer and we we did the drums in a studio. We ended up using this guy, Josh Newell, who did like Intronaut and stuff like that. He's an incredible engineer. Uh, and I feel like an idiot, but I don't remember this, the recording studio. <laughs> anyway, it, it was a cool studio um, and we did the drums and, and then everything else. Uh, I did it at home, you know, because I have my rigs, like, you know, I produce and mix records and stuff. And so I have what I need to do guitars, bass, vocals and all that stuff. And so we did everything our own and we did this one as a three piece. So it was me, the original bass player, Tony, who's been in since day one, and then our our newest drummer at the time, he was the latest addition, this dude Dylan Howard. And not having a label or anything like that allowed us to go back to, to our roots of not really going on a on an actual minute timeline for like singles and stuff like that. Obviously, we we would love for one of those tunes to be on the radio. But, you know, we'd rather our fans be stoked, you know, because yeah. yeah, that's just what we were originally known for is longer riffs. You know, we just kind of drag some things on or whatever. Um, so anyway, fast forward, we released a January 2020, something like that. Uh, and we go on ship rocked cruise. And while we're on that cruise, that was in February. It was two weeks in February. Uh, we had heard about coronavirus, we get back, do a tour with our friends Crowbot, and Like Machines, I believe, and The Jab, that was that tour. And we go and we end February 26th in Nashville, it's funny enough, two days before it got taken out by a tornado. Holy Freaking shit. awful. We might have been the last show there. So I don't know if <laughs> we had bad juju following us or what, but you know. Um, so as soon as that show ended, I went out and uh, went out with another band that I was a hired gun for and my band went home. And that was the last time I saw those guys until we uh, recorded or filmed our music video for Colors, which was, you know, like two months ago or three months ago. So it was like almost a year and a half since I had seen them yeah. since that last show. But we had all this stuff planned for drama and like touring and promotions and everything like that. And then when the pandemic hit and basically shut everything down, the original thing was, you know, it shut down on March thirteenth, right? That was the shutdown yeah, date, yeah. I think. And they were like, Okay, we gotta stay inside, quarantine till May. And Tony and I were like, Dude, we're screwed. These two months, we can't yeah. miss two months. Like essential. we yeah, we had like, you know, our booking agent had things lined up ready for us. And we're like, dude, there's no way we can do this, it's gonna be crazy. We gotta figure out what to do. Well, I mean, fast forward. Year and a half later, we're still stuck inside. We figured. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so that was the that was the bummer part of Dramen, um, was that we love that record and it it we weren't allowed to give it everything that we were hoping to give it, you know. We're still ready to do it whenever the, you know, the world is fully open and we can start doing it, which looks like it's soon. Um, but then given how much time had passed since Dramen. And no touring we we have a whole nother record done, and so that's where Colors came in, and our bass player Tony was like he and I were going back back and forth trying to figure out what to do, and he was like, "Let's just release this song. you know it's the shortest song I think we've written in a really long time, and it's aggressive, kind of quirky, yeah, I think it's a good dip into the newest stuff, so let's just release that, and then we'll see what happens from there. So that was the yeah that's that's basically what <laughs> what's happened
0: very cool and yeah. so I, I noticed also uh, what you hadn't released anything since 2016 prior to that album yeah so um in between that time you know was that all taken on touring or you know working on the new record
1: we did a lot of touring we uh you know that was the 2016 that was, album. sorry that was
0: for everybody listening that was waitlist right yeah
1: yeah the 2016 yeah. album was waitlist and that was like you know quote unquote our major label record and, you know, again, we had high hopes for it. We were super stoked, but, you know, labels just in general, they got a lot of stuff to, to figure out and they're always trying to figure out what's going to work best for them too. And I feel like that, that record fell through the cracks a little bit. Um, but we toured a lot on that. We did all the major festivals, all the, all the Danny Wimmer Fests, like rock allegiance uh, aftershock, monster mass dude you know we got to open for tool we got to uh we toured with chevelle we did local h like a bunch of our our heroes um our homies and it was it was a killer time um so the plan was to to basically tour that into the ground um but in the midst of that we we let our drummer go and then shortly not shortly after but a little bit after that you know we got dylan in there to kind of that's when he jumped in to kind of help us fill out the rest of the, the touring cycle. Shortly after that, the other guitar player ended up leaving. He had a kid, you know, that's the way of the world. That's what happens, you know? Um, and you know, no harm, no foul, all good. But then we were trying to figure out what's next. So we left the label, let go of management, all that kind of stuff. And basically just kind of started from square one again, thinking that that would have been the right move because, you know, when you're in the middle of something, and things aren't going the way that you plan, you're like, well, things were better before. That's why all these people wanted to to be in our circle. They, they, they saw how fast we were growing and then now we just hit a wall or at least it seemed that way. And so you try to do things differently yourself again. And you know, I'm not going to say what we did wasn't the right move or was the right move, but it's always better to have a team, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I, I think that's interesting. So, you know, you you got to where you wanted to go, or at least you know partially, you know, around that, and then mm-hmm. noticed you know certain things weren't exactly the way you wanted to. So quite literally, pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. And you know, sort of decided to take it upon yourself with a, a DIY ethos. So I think that's that's super sick, especially the part where you know you kind of just like cut all ties and decided let's let's rebuild but you know with the resources that we have and you yourself just said you know you you also recorded uh yeah. you know your last works which is i i think that's incredible to just Thank have you. that you have know, have the balls you know to to do that yeah and go about that
1: well that was the that was the funny part of it it was um you know you want to be you want to take things over completely because you, you know, as a person that does that for other people, mixes I'll produce, I'll write songs for other people so I can technically do all that stuff but it's not always the right thing to do all by yourself and so figuring out how much or how little Mm -hmm. you should do on your own project is kind of a thing that I've learned over time, you know, so for example, I wanted to mix drama and I wanted to mix colors and I tried and I was just in it too deep, you know? Like I heard things that I wanted to hear louder or like I wanted the drums to sound this way. When in reality, it was better to have our buddy Bo, who did Weightless, Drummond and Colors, to do it because he had that sound that, that worked for him. That's his kind of staple sound. And it was right for the tunes and everything. So it was like, you know, I'm just gonna do this, you do that you know? And so now, now I enjoy doing that for, for ages. That's the thing. It's like I'll produce, you know, engineer. And then after that, it's out. I don't want, I don't <laughs> want to try it. I don't want to mix it. I don't want to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like sending your kids to school. You're like, yeah. I, I raised you as much as I can now. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I end up like, I love distortion, you know, not necessarily like distortion pedals, but like you know, overdriving a preamp or like miking up a drum set a little too hot. So it's got some crispy edges to it. And so that doesn't always work when your your music is so heavy, but <laughs> also like very catchy and poppy. And so like if you take it too far one way and I'll take it too far and then just keep going because I don't realize how deep down the hole I am, it just gets a little too, uh, hard to understand I guess
0: <laughs> yeah I guess it's good to have that sort of outside consultation where yeah you, know, you can have somebody like ground you on everything you're like all right, oh, like, dude. production this is good but yeah like, let's we can bring this back pull it up
1: that's the great thing about Tony we call him the grammar police but <laughs> he's more than the grammar police he's, he's the police on, uh, on other things too and I think it's he's just the nicest raddest dude but then we'll also just tell you uh, his opinion and he's usually got a pretty pretty level head on his shoulders when it, when it comes to like you know what feels right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. We got that in um in our producer. He does producing and mastering and oh, nice. mixing and all that. He's a great guy. Um Chris Picat and Okay. um he's come up a few times on this but like he he's like our, he's our he's our boy now. You know, it's not just like yeah. a working capacity anymore. He helped us out with the music video a few weeks back and all that stuff great guy but like in the studio this is his workspace you know this is he's at his house you know he has a studio in his basement like this is him in work mode and he'll tell (laughs) us like if this thing sucks or not or you should change something it's not but it's not just like for the sake of being critical it's for a reason he gives a shit which is so important to have somebody on your team like that who like cares about your stuff as much as you do or more than you do
1: Well, that's the thing. I think I think it's it's hard for musicians to separate the business side and the uh, emotional connection. You know what I mean? Because when you get into the business side, that's when you're in the studio, you're recording and you're trying to pick a single or anything like that. And it's like you got to back up because your emotions, just like anything else in life, you know, can get you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah. You know, they can lead you down the wrong path very easily, and most likely that's where they want to go. You know, your first instinct, you're like, "Oh, this riff rips, great." Yeah, I but love then this your movie. heart, <laughs> then your then your heart, you get emotionally invested in it, and you want to play it for like 30 bars. And the producer is gonna be like, "It's cool, but it's not that cool." And then you get angry, you stop talking, <laughs> then you realize that dude's my homie. He had my yeah. back, just like you were saying. He was right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
0: Like, you know, just demoing out songs. It could take, you know, eight hours it, oh, across yeah. a few days just to like, all right, well, you know, I, I wanted this part and like everything you've worked so hard on it and it's 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 a perfect demo for you in your mind. Yeah. And then somebody would be like, I don't think that's it. <laughs> or yeah. Like, like I change so quickly this one they'll thing. just
1: be like, nope Yeah, and it's you're like <laughs>
0: But what do you mean? Like this was I worked so hard on this, but it was like, Yeah but mm-hmm. to the outside listener, it may be a little. Bit, it may be translated differently. So, I I'm definitely yeah. in alignment with that. Where you're like, it's good to have somebody who will ground you, and you learn after getting that feedback several times. Like, it's not that serious, you know.
1: Oh, dude, I've shown my wife. Uh, she knows every every song demo, everything before anybody else hears it, you know, including my band, everything, any any idea I'm working on, and. I'll show her songs, beginning, middle, end stages, all that stuff, and I'll ask her what she thinks. She used to hate telling me, because <laughs> I used to get angry if if it wasn't not like angry angry, but I get upset if it wasn't aligned with my uh, my thoughts on the song. You know what I mean? Um, and so like I'd be really you know really uh, what do you call it like a uh, I'd not, i verbally argue with, you know, I'd argue with her and like stand my ground yeah, and be like, you're what, wrong. What you she, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, well, it's my opinion. You asked me what I thought and this is what I think. And then now I've let all that go completely. And now I just try to like harness the energy of, that is like the most hippie thing I've said in a long time, <laughs> harness all that and, and just say, okay, I get it. Let me try that, you know, at least try any idea that's thrown at you because the worst thing you can do is ignore any option, you know, because it could be the best option that you're throwing away, even if it sounds stupid before you try it. And that was, that's been a big thing with us just in general. And so now anytime she comes in gives me her two cents, I'm like, okay, I get that. I'll try it. See what happens, you know, because you can't be too invested. That's the thing.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like it, your opinion does hold weight, but if it doesn't hold the weight with the other, what you guys have four members in the band. Yeah. Yeah. If it doesn't, or sorry, the other three members, of yeah, the band three, rather, yeah. you know, then maybe, you know, maybe it needs some adjustment. And like the good thing is I, I feel like with music too, it's always something, there's always a foundation to it that you're building up, whether you're demoing or actually like recording. So you're like, yeah. okay, we have this idea. It works, but Hmm. we could make it better. And then, you know, even, even, I've even gotten feedback. Like, I play bass. So it's a little Mm -hmm. bit different than, like, you know, having, we have two guitarists in the band. So they, Mm -hmm. they co mingle quite a bit. And, you know, one will tell the opinion of the other. But I'm always asking for feedback and I'm like, what do you guys think? And, you know, it's great when I do get that feedback because they don't play bass. So they're like, okay, well, maybe we make this simpler. Maybe we, you could you can take this part. This is all you. And I'm like, oh really? You know, so I, I think that's cool that people who don't play your direct instrument can also provide a little bit of feedback just because they're in the band. They're a musician as well. And I'm, I'm sure you value their opinion.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I, uh, what I love lately now that, you know, we have Dylan, uh, was a new addition, our drummer to the band. And then now we have his, his brother, Trevor playing guitar, and they're both incredible musicians, uh, to the point where they bring something that we haven't had before with anybody else in the band. Um, just like a wholly, totally different way of looking at, at things and playing things and stuff like that. And so on drumming colors, uh, you know I bring the song, not finished, but it's four minutes, you know, it's a, a song front to back, and I got my drum machine, whatever on it, bring it into the band show it to Dylan, I go, let's, let's track this with you on it, on the, on the on the tune. And then he'll start playing something, and he has this thing where his left hand never stops, even if you can't really hear it. It's just always like hitting the snare drum. So like, it pretty much matches his right hand the whole time, or like, it's just moving. And when you start feeling that rhythm, a rhythm that somebody else is bringing, you wanna play differently. You're like, oh, well that just sparked this new idea. And so, uh, what I originally had is like a baku 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 baku, just like crow mag you know, like mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> just caveman beat. And Now <laughs> it's like this really like groovy, intense uh, drum part that makes me want to either play less or, you know, throw a different bass line down. And it's fun watching things grow that way, you know, because we've had, you know, we've had people in the band before where uh, like our previous drummer, I would... I would basically bring him something and he would play it, which is great. He was a ripper, but you always want to, f- you always want your stuff to, to go to the next level, you know. Even if you don't realize it, which maybe at the time that was my mentality, since he, that's what he did. It's Like, oh yeah, I knew what was right. This is the best thing for the song. But then, over years, you're like, oh man, I wish he would have he would have done more. You know, we you know after playing with somebody like Dylan, you're like, oh man. There's some, there's some other options there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, There's more out there. Yeah.
0: Um, Would you say your style has changed with incorporating these musicians or these, you know, new musicians to your band? Oh,
1: for sure. So like when ages started, um, we basically started, uh, like, like I said, the end of 2011, we didn't know what we were going to sound like, but we knew we, we all had three, three bands that we collectively loved which was Quicksand, Queens of Stone Age, and Hum. And we we're like, you know, let's try to make something kind of in the vein of all three of those bands, because none of those bands are necessarily the same. They're all kind of heavy. Queens is probably the lightest of them all, but but that's where my down-tuned guitars came from. Mm. So we we tune our guitars, our low string down to A, because I thought that they did that, and they don't. It's just their amps are so fuzzy it sounds that way. and. <laughs> So I ended up creating some weird tuning that I didn't intent intend to for our. So stuff. is
0: it like A and then everything else is like standard? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so wow. it's A, yeah. <laughs> so
1: it's A and E standard. So your E string instead of being E, you know, E A D whatever, it's A A D G blah blah blah. Yeah. I
0: never thought of that. That's wild.
1: Yeah, uh, I think Foo Fighters do it on that song Stacked Actors, but they okay. do it and it sounds awesome. But they do it only. For the big riff. Boom, 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 and then they do the chords on the high notes. But it's like you don't have to play it that way. Like you can create chords with two strings an octave apart, which sounds yeah. wild. You know. So that's that's kind of what bred the beginning of ages. So we wanted to sound like those bands. So we were more of like a uh less um Froggy version of ourselves in the very beginning. And then as time grew, we stopped trying to sound or write around those three bands and just figured out what what worked for us and what was us. And it's it's an ever-evolving thing, you know. Even adding more people, because it's like we're we're never gonna say, No, we don't want to write a song like that because that doesn't sound like us, because it is us. So who's to say that's not ages? You know, it's it's ages playing the song um but i i do think it's it all works together you know like none of our records don't fit the same band it's just i feel like it's an evolving band and i like that i don't want to write the same record a million times but i also don't want to write a record that nobody would expect
2: mm-hmm. in a yeah, bad way kind of, like, like i don't want to write direction. like a
1: yeah. like a folk pop record or something yeah i would for me But not for ages. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. It all ties
0: into like the You know, there is a brand that you you as a band have to maintain. But sure, um, you know, also want to explore the uh, the outer edge of it, you know, at times. So, yeah, it's it's like a freedom
1: of speech thing just in music, you know, or your genre. You want to just say what you want to say, do what you want to do. But it's still got to be you. You know, it's got to be true to what 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 you are. Yeah,
0: (laughs) that's what I feel like, um, you know, one of my one of my favorite bands of all time, you know, Green Day. Like, sure. I I felt that as they evolved over time, you kind of saw I think they eventually they're getting to where like. This is what we've sort of always wanted to be. Whereas, like, they started off as these, you know, snotty kids playing like actual punk rock back in the so day. Good. So it got good, a little man. bit, um, you know, like a little bit more poppy, I'd say probably, you know, late 90s. Mm-hmm. And then you're moving more into that. But now they're like starting to edge towards, you know, kind of rock and roll. Yeah. And, Garage
1: um, and doo up kind of all. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah.
0: All that, like, uh, bubblegum pop, you know, yeah. sort of rock. And, um, you saw now Billy Joe like branch off into you know a side project the long shot and even just mm-hmm. his solo stuff too is like that's what it is it's you know very um you know Beatles influenced <laughs> in the, like Hermits Hermits and uh, Herman's Hermits and um mm-hmm. uh, you know a little bit Ramonesy let's say yeah. so oh, for like sure. I think that's cool is that like you eventually you get to where you're going you know you just sort of evolve throughout that whole pipeline the whole time but um, yeah. You stay, you know, within like what actually makes sense for you as a band and that, I think that's really cool is that you you, you take from your influences and uh, you know, find ways to combine it in sure. an awesome coherent way.
1: Yeah, I feel like I I think that it just popped in my head but a, a great way to to think about it is like you're still the same kid from when you were you know, zero to now. Yeah you have this you know it's the same brain same body everything but it's it changes and so you can keep the same friends keep the same circles your ideas are relatively the same but you're you're expanding upon yourself and you're physically changing but you can look back at that four-year-old you and you know it's you people can see like oh yeah that's you but you don't necessarily look the same you look older Hopefully yeah, you're better. Like, There's still, they're still elements I mean? of it. Yeah, Hopefully you a you, better version of yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't say yeah. that
0: about my music writing, but you
1: know. <laughs> hey, man, that's for other people. That's for other people to say. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? That's what the critics are there for. You know Screw what's them. been funny, and I've,
0: I've always talked about this, and I, 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 I'd love to hear from you too, sort sure. of your evolution in what you listen to. You know, just taking off the table. You know what you play, but like what you yeah. actually listen to, because. I feel like mine was just totally, like, backwards in how I I did everything. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it started off with getting introduced to, you know, your Blink-182s, your Green Days, Mm -hmm. some 41, and all that. And sort of reverting back after, like, doing my research and finding out, well, what do they listen to? And, you know, what bands have they called out in interviews? And so eventually I'm finding myself listening to, you know, at, like, age 13, like misfits and minor right. threat and mm-hmm. bad religion, black flag, all that. And those and then, are the OGs. Yeah. The
1: ultimate. I love those bands. All and of them. like
0: <laughs> started at point C and got to like point A. And yeah. then kind of moving back up from that and into like even a little bit more like derivative music. But then sort of coming full circle and finding <laughs> more poppy bands in my mid to late twenties. Yeah. Into like, you know, the whole pop punk era and all that, like even more poppy than like Green Day. So, yeah, I think it's just it's been weird how that's all evolved. (laughs) And then eventually finding out that like, uh, you know, like slam hardcore is the thing and stuff and going, oh, I like this. (laughs) So, so like, how has your sort of music listening journey evolved throughout time?
1: So mine's been kind of crazy. So I grew up overseas, right? I grew up in Indonesia. And for all you younger listeners out there, you as well. (laughs) Um, The internet popped up, like dial-up internet popped up in the mid-early 90s, right? And so I was in like middle school to high school, probably middle school, like when internet fully started, and I really got into bands. Like, you know, there was always music playing in my house, but I was like, like uh, Randy Travis or like Michael W. Smith. What what is that? Amy something, you know, like kind of Christian pop artists and stuff. Mm -hmm. My parents loved Um, and all that stuff's great, you know, great melodies, and everything like that. But it wasn't me. It wasn't my sound. And so like when I started getting into music and kind of like strumming on a guitar, figuring out like, oh, I like hitting things like Nirvana came out like, oh, my gosh, Nirvana, that's that's incredible. This is awesome. You know, three chords, this dude yelling, got really into that. So my my first dive into music was like Pantera, X-Order, Nirvana. Um, I went to a Duran Duran concert, but that Very was just cool. because, yeah, I didn't know who they were really. I think my sister did, but that was my, one of my first concerts. Color Me Bad was one of them. I listened to Color Me Bad, too. Uh, you probably don't know Color Me Bad, do you?
0: No, I don't.
1: It's like it's like an old school OG version of like NSYNC and stuff like that. Wow. They're actually pretty great, but pretty bad. It was <laughs> awesome. It was incredible. I remember the yeah, guitar player. They were like the this first was, ones in. <laughs> yeah. Uh this was it was uh early nineties, and so like I'm in the front with my buddy Jeff, who is an incredible videographer now, dude's like killing it. But he and I in the front were like these like, maybe teenagers. No, I don't even think we're teenagers. We're probably like 11 in the front row, yelling, like, stoked to see these guys jam. And next thing you know, the guitar player walks out. The, you know, the four singers I don't know why it's always four, but the four yeah. singers split. And this dude comes out, the guitar player jumps up, lands in the splits with his guitar behind his back, and just starts playing so fast. <laughs> My mind was blown. That was when I was like, I want to do that. I've never done that though. That unfortunately, I've never (laughs) gotten that far. Yeah. And then he threw his pick, and and it hit my buddy Jeff in the chest, and he grabbed it, and he still has it. Wow. I don't know the guy's name, but that dude was one of the main reasons why I wanted to play like heavy rock guitar. You know, leave it to a freaking pop acapella kind of. Yeah. Band Like, color me bad to do that. But anyway. Who knows
0: if that was even plugged in. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know, right? But I mean, hey, dude, the fact that he landed in the splits with it behind his back, that was cool enough for me. He's already miles ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. But uh, uh, So the internet, right? So I I would deep dive uh, when I would buy records or CDs, go to the record store, get a Pantera CD. And I go, OK, who produced this? This is back when like people actually oh. cared about physical copies. Who produced this? And then I would do a deep dive on the internet. But now everything pops up, you know, for the last 20 plus years, everything pops up so fast. But when I would first do dial-up, dude, I'd be waiting, I'd be like, okay, this producer did this record, say for example, Green Day record. Okay, let's hear Green Day, uh, that Slappy Hours record or Kerplunk or something. Let's hear what that sounds like. And it would take, no joke, an hour and a half just to pop up the worst sounding MP3. And I'd be like, okay, this is awesome. Or if it sucked, I'd close that window and look at another band. And so I just go down this roster of artists that uh, my favorite bands, producers or record labels or managers worked with. And that's how I found all the people that I really loved. And over time, you know, uh, since I lived overseas, I'd come back to States, uh, Spring Break or whatever. And I started getting a bigger record collection when I moved to America, my sister is four years older than me, she actually introduced me to a couple of my favorite bands because they all lived in Austin, oddly enough. And I was originally a drummer and they needed a drummer. And wow. so I ended up joining my favorite bands because I was fresh and all I did was play music. All I do is play music. And so I was like ready to go. and. That was it, you know. That's that, that was my, my weird world. And then from playing in these bands that I loved, meeting other artists like Not a Surf and stuff like that. That's how I went, and I don't know. It's a it's a really long story, but that's how I got into that, and that has expanded my love for music just very far. Like now I listen to like Miguel all the time because I think he freaking rolls. I don't know if you listen to Miguel. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Uh, and a, an incredible performer, dude. I love Greg Laswell. I don't love every single song, but most of them. Like all of a sudden, like you'll be like in a great like a tune, like super chill, and then he'll like throw Auto Tune hard on his vocals, and it's like, why would you do that? You're not you're not you're not that kind of thing. Like you're a great singer, and then all of a sudden you throw this Auto Tune. It makes no sense. But everything else is freaking awesome. Uh, But Cardigans is one of my favorite bands. Yeah, and so yeah.
0: (laughs) <laughs> That's so sick. So, what bands did you join when you first came to uh, Austin?
1: Uh, so, when I first came to Austin, there was this band, The Impossibles, which is a fueled by ramen band. That's they were like, do you, I don't know if you know this band, but they were like, uh, remember when like Ozma, was it? I think it was Ozma, like everyone was doing that kind of like Weezer sound mm-hmm. and then adding Scott elements to it. They were the best at it in my opinion. They were freaking amazing at it. And fortunately, they were pushing the ska elements away by the time I had met them. Yes, because that Yeah, so, you that, t- 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 yeah, so <laughs> that's like that's like how they started and then they morphed into like an actual rock band. But they were amazing. they were a killer band. Two singers. Uh one of them had like, you know, a classically great voice and one of them had just a cool voice uh which wasn't always the as great a pitch as the other dude but it just worked you know um but they were awesome they're cool guys uh the band let their drummer go right before i met them and then basically broke up shortly after we started playing together but that's what got me into the scene and meeting a lot of the people that i met uh and led me to another band called the rise that i had we ended up being in a band for a couple years um made two records uh rick rubin was wanting to sign us and then wow we yeah it was that that's the, that is like my biggest musical upset is that you know we were like 20 you know that's we're super amazing. young we played hardcore like the refuse but it with electronica so it was like lincoln park before there was a lincoln park you know oh. But we weren't as poppy as that. Like, if you listen to stuff, it's nowhere. It's nothing like Lincoln Park. We had like techno elements and stuff like that, with like this crazy Refuse kind of stuff. It was very aggressive, but also very unique, you know, and super cool. I can say all this stuff because the band doesn't play anymore, and so I can say that the band rules without sounding like a total (laughs) dirtbag.
0: Well, I mean, like that's. I think I feel like that's what Rick Rubin found was just these unique people. He didn't go for normal.
1: Yeah. Well, that was the thing. We were playing Troubadour, I remember, and my bass player. Like, I have really, as you, you can see, people listening cannot, I have glasses on. Uh, when I'm not wearing my glasses, I have contacts because my eyes suck, and they've always sucked. And so when I would play drums, I'd, I just started doing contacts, so I would just have no glasses on, so I wouldn't be able to see. And I'd wear, since we had techno, kind of electronic elements, I'd wear these big tank headphones, Literally, I got them from a World War II tank helmet because I didn't have any money, and I took the headphones off the big coily cable, and they were like three, four pounds. They were heavy, and uh, that would be my metronome click, whatever. And uh, um, you know, we'd be jamming. We were playing Troubadour. It was our first time to California. We're we're ripping, and my bass player, Danny Wood literally one of the best bass players ever especially for rock the dude's groove is crazy but uh he's always moving and he comes right up to my drums and is just staring at me like white as a ghost and I can't see him very well but I'm like why is he just standing there like why is why is why isn't he doing the Danny thing he's just looking at me yeah and so I look at him he keeps like throwing his head back like you know motioning like look behind me you know and i was like okay and i kind of looked back like i can't really see i don't know what's happening and then i realized later it was rick rubin like just right there watching like hard the band i think he was in the crowd but now thinking of the story that probably doesn't sound right he was probably on the side of the stage, yeah. that would make more sense. Um, <laughs> Rick Rubin
0: buying GA tickets and... <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but I think he you know, he was there for the show and then bounced. We never got wow. to meet him, but his A&R guy was uh, super rad and we, we did a bunch of stuff uh, with him, but never signed anything because we got our gear stolen a million times and at oh. one point it was just like, ah, oh, screw this, man. You know, we were so young, we didn't know what opportunities we were being given. We were just like, oh, we'll just do this again in a different band. Like this band is has some bad juju. Screw this band, you know? I didn't want to play drums anymore because I never had a drum tech. And so I was sick of being the last one to go get the, a cocktail at the bar mm-hmm. or even being able to and being the sweaty like guy. Sweaty, and then, you know, yeah, yeah without <laughs> being able to go get one, that means I'm the sober guy. And then now I have to go drive. And I'm like, dude, I'm freaking exhausted. Like I would throw up. I would play so hard I'd throw up after every show, if not in the middle of the show, and so I was always so tired. But at 20 years old, you know, being tired, you you're like back at it like five minutes later. Just give me an hour. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, I'm rambling because this beer is really good. (laughs) That's
0: great, yeah, man. Actually, you know what? We are. uh, I want to make sure we leave some time for our uh, sort of ending segments. Sure. And so that's that's great that you bring up beer because we do a <laughs> beer of the week. And then we also do um, sort of a, you know, just to build like a community here. And I always like spreading the word about, you know, bands that should be bigger, but just, you know, may not may not have the platform for it yet. So just sure. share some bands that, you know, you've either toured with or like you're currently listening to that you think
1: bands that should, should be know bigger. About.
0: Yeah, sure. Why not? Sure. And okay. You can, you can do, if you want to do like five. Yeah, I know because you, I've had people <laughs> on there like, I just want to say like everybody I know, but I don't want to leave anybody out. I'll say a out. few. Not I a I got problem. a couple. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll do beer of the week and then we can do that.
1: Okay. You tell me when. It's all you, man. All right. So we're going beer, beer of the week. So it's getting hot, but I feel if you're into smoke, Then a smoke beer always works, no matter how hot or how cold it is, because porters, stouts, not always the best situation, but if it's a smoke beer, you can't go wrong. If that's your vibe, you can't go wrong. So there's this company called Acht Schlinkerla from Germany, I think, and their Marzen uh, is is my one of my favorites, and it literally tastes like a glass of smoke. (laughs) That's amazing. So it's A E C H T. Schlinker I'll let you whoever's listening figure that out but it's yeah. it's a Marzen all you have to do is is Google smoke beer and that's what they're known for it's just smoky beers and it's incredible that's I love a, it
0: I've never heard of that
1: dude you gotta yeah you got to check it out so they're usually they're they're pretty available like at, like the bigger liquor stores and stuff like that but yeah smoke beer that's what's up
0: I'm on the East Coast so I got to see if they distribute out here I guess uh I'm oh, they I'm do Assuming you're on the for that on the for West that Coast one now.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. For that, that company, they'll definitely be over there. Yeah. Very cool.
0: Yeah. Wow. Now something new to add to the repertoire. My friend actually works at a a uh, small. I, I guess you could call it like a bar, but mm-hmm. it, mainly their their sort of thing is you know they are you know provide these you know very unique craft small batch uh, oh, beers sure. just from around the area or even mm-hmm. just you know internationally. And so I got to see if they stock that. That'd be kind of cool. Maybe something you know, new to add to the repertoire.
1: Oh, well, I'll, I'll add one, but it's a brewery. Okay. Because I think everything they make is great. So I live in Palm Springs, California now. Nice. Um, it's amazing. I love it out here. But there is a brewery out here called Las Palmas Brewery, and they make super small batch brews, uh, and they do all organic wines at the bar and everything like that. But their brews are so freaking good. So if anybody's in Palm Springs, go to Las Palmas. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Very good. And so how about your bands?
1: Uh, So bands that people haven't necessarily heard of. There's a couple. Uh, so our drummer and guitar player, The Brothers, they have a band that I think is great. It's a punk rock band, like more on the hardcore side of punk rock. Um, edgy, whatever. They're called The Lungs, and they're pretty ripping. And then there's... uh our friends this band new language they're pretty cool they're more like like on the disco pop side of rock and heaviness if that Love makes that. sense I yeah i just probably...
0: gotten to like it's like uh heavy like hard disco like uh, a band that, called cobra man yeah. okay and, uh, i don't know cobra man i'm gonna check that Check-a-man. out so sick yeah yeah
1: heck yeah awesome yeah so i feel like if you're into that kind of sound what you just described that would probably be uh right up your alley
0: Sweet. And then the Mutoid sorry, Man. I, I love cool. Mutoid Man. Mutoid Man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now they're they're right along, you know, what you
1: guys do. Yeah. 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 They, they it's funny because like not everybody knows that band. I always think that they're big or bigger in the scene. And then you talk to some people that are kind of in your scene and they don't know them. I'm just like, what rock are you under? Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> the, the combo of those guys. That's like, that is the scene. You know, those guys yeah, are you would love like, that. like some <laughs> heavy hitters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the other band was the lungs,
0: the lungs, yeah, yeah, sick. All right, man. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time, and thank you for coming on. Um, always very cool to, you know, swap stories or at least hear you know, stories from somebody who's just like over time has gotten more <laughs> involved with you know, all these incredible bands. and holy shit, you almost got signed by Rick Rubin like that. That's something well, not a yeah. lot of people can say. There's a very select few, people.
1: Who, my you know, my life is wild, dude. If, <laughs> if there was if there was lo- if there was more time, there would be more stories. <laughs> yeah, and so I guess sort
0: of a a thought you can leave us with, you know, what is next for Ages? What's coming up?
1: It's just it's just more, you know. Like, you know, I'm not gonna say exactly what we're doing because the plan isn't there yet, but there will be more of everything: more music, more tours, more shows more, uh, of what we haven't done streams. Maybe we've been talking about streaming and stuff like that. I know that uh, our first records 10 year anniversary is beginning of next year. So uh, I'm trying to figure out, thank you, trying to figure out something for that. And that'll probably be a stream. So, or like a, you know, recorded thing, awesome. video, whatever. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I hope you guys get back to playing shows soon too. I know, you know, things are opening up. Um, we're, we're in New York here. And so. Yeah, actually I think just everything's kinda lifted right now, which is yeah, just Yeah, I think that so just happened. Yeah it's, yeah, it's
1: weird. It's like it, it, there's not much of an ease or like maybe I don't notice it because I'm kind of a germ freak or I've yeah. morphed into one, you know, as I think mm-hmm. a lot of people have, and then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, nobody needs masks and you're like, I'm like Whoa hold on. Yeah. Nobody needs nobody, masks wear. Yeah. Nobody's <laughs> consulted with me on this. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> I'm the expert on this now. <laughs> yeah. I've been wearing a mask for yeah. a year. I don't yeah. know if we needed to stop just yet.
0: <laughs> so that's been wild. But yeah, yeah. man, I, I hope the best for you guys. I can't wait to see what else you guys got in store. But, um, you know, I now have a band that I can really bump to, especially that is just straight rock and roll no question about it you know there is there's no there's no uh what what do i want to say there's, there's no pulling punches with your music so i, oh, I cool. really appreciate that and i'm glad mike was able to link us up for that
1: oh absolutely man thank you so much i'm 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 glad that you uh enjoy it you know and if you and if you didn't know about it before i'm glad that this made you uh check it out and i appreciate you having me on the show
0: yeah, man, and let me leave you with one final uh, thought. So, yeah, I I was just thinking about this because I, I like recommending bands, you know, at least to ones that um, you know have, have come on the show. So I would recommend to you if you don't know them already, Bass Drum of Death, mm. very very good band out of uh, Mississippi.
1: Yep, I actually funny that you say that. Now I'm gonna go listen to it because I obviously. Not obviously, but I know the name because it is maybe the best name ever. Oh, it's fantastic. It's such a good name. But, yeah, I don't think I've really given them a chance. So, yeah, now now I will.
0: Rocket, Yeah. (laughs) All right, man. Well, Kemble, thank you for joining. And you have a very good night and hopefully a great rest of the year.
1: (laughs) Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. You too. Thanks for having
0: me. Have a good one.
1: Later, brother.